0: Mexico and that was just like a highlight reel and it was incredible I was so overwhelmed and this is with our youth and I just want you to know that our youth are powerful that if you are in Gen Z and you're in this room we need your faith we need your gifting we need your presence and so lean in because we need you And Jesus wants to use you. But if we haven't had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is Britt, and I get the privilege of overseeing our youth and our young adult ministry. And they're just so wonderful, y'all. But we're going to be continuing in our series of Mark and and how to live in a counterculture way. And so we're going to be in Mark 5. We're in the fifth week. But before we get into the text and just get into today's message, I just want to talk to Jesus. So would you guys just join me in prayer? God, um, Lord, we just thank you so much for you. God, we thank you that you are a God who still speaks, who still moves, who convicts and challenges and encourages and builds up your people. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do that today. We need you. God, I pray that I would just get out of the way, Lord, and that heaven would come to earth. And we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive, God, and to go out. And so, Holy Spirit, come. We ask this in your precious and holy and mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you know anything about me, I'm super awkward and weird. (laughs) Where are you at? Uh, You know what? Every service, people have amen, and I don't know what to do with that, so we'll circle back. But um, I get super attached to, like, phrases and sayings, and when I really like a phrase, it'll just be, like, on repeat, and I'll just say it constantly. And just for a few examples, when someone comes up to me and they say something that, like, I don't know what to do with, my response will be, it really do be like that sometimes. And I say that all the time because people are constantly saying things that I don't know. Another one, and this is like when someone wants me to do something that I don't want to do. And so what I'll say is I love that journey for you. I love that journey for you. That's not my journey, but I love that for you. And then the one that's just kind of been on repeat in the office, and um, yeah, it's one of my favorites, is Won't He Do It? And I don't know the origination of this. Me and one of my really good friends, Ruthie, we talk about Jesus, and we just get like hype. And she'll start being like, won't he? And I was like, won't he? And then she's like, won't he do it? And then I'm like, won't he do it? And now I just say it all of the time. And I start there because the title of this message today is, Won't He Do It? Because chapter 5 of the book of Mark is all about miracles. It's all about Jesus changing and redeeming and restoring and calling dead things back to life. And I think he still wants to do that today. And I just want to have a little disclaimer Uh, With this phrase, won't he do it? Uh, This isn't to perpetuate some type of God's good if he does what I want him to do. This isn't meant to perpetuate a prosperity gospel of if God's good, I'm going to have health and wealth and happiness. In fact, the Bible Bible says you're going to encounter suffering and hardship, but I'm with you. But won't he do it is meant to remind us, church, that God still does miracles. And he actually invites us to be a part of it. And so all throughout the message, you're going to be hearing me say this phrase, but I want you to be a part of it. So we're going to do something a little uncomfortable at church today. When I say, won't he, I want you to respond with do it. So we're going to practice. Won't he? Do it. y'all. I didn't even have to tell you to be sassy with it or be a little extra. Y'all were like, do it. Come on, Jesus. Thank you. Um, So we are going to jump into the text. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to Mark uh, verse 25, and we're in chapter 5. And just to give you guys a little bit of context to what's going on, Jesus has begun his ministry, and he has just healed a demon-possessed man. And he gets in a boat, and he crosses over to a new location, and this religious leader named Jairus comes to the feet of Jesus and falls on his face and says, I need you. My daughter is deathly ill, and if you come lay hands on her, she will live, and she will be made well. And just a little side note, what was interesting to me is this was a religious leader, is what the text says. And so this was someone who had priests and who had the temple and had all of these things. And yet, when he had a crisis of faith, he came running to the feet of Jesus. I think we could take a page from his book. But in this moment, Jesus says, Yes, I'll go. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 25. And it says, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. A few observations from this text. First, it says that this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. And per Levitical law, that made her ceremonial, um, that made her unclean. And so she wasn't allowed to go to the temple. She wasn't allowed to be in settings of society. If she was coming into a group of people like this, she would need to say unclean, unclean, unclean everywhere she went. Because if you touched her by association, you would be made unclean as well. And so there's this aspect of just humiliation, of being an outcast and being marginalized. And on top of that, there is pain and there is suffering for 12 years. She shouldn't be in this crowd. She shouldn't be in it unless she has made known her presence. And yet she's quiet and she's still and she's desperate. Something else that's interesting about her story, and this is in verse 26, it says, She had suffered much... Under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when I sat and just let this text kind of sit in my mind and in my heart, I was like, This is us in 2023. How often do we go to these different spaces and these different places, and we're looking for healing, and we're looking for peace, and we're looking to be made well, and yet, We're no better off. In fact, oftentimes we're worse than when we started. We go to money to get validation. We go to entertainment to get comfort. We go to the gym to get jacked and relieve stress. We go to the life coach to get wisdom and to get counsel. We go to relationships to get value and to get worth. We go to religion to get it together. And we spend all of this time and all of these resources and all of this effort, and yet we're not better. And if you're like me, oftentimes I end up worse than when I started. And when I think about this, I think of um, this, this moment in Mexico. We went to this men's rehab center, and there was 12 to 15 guys there, and um, we have a translator with us. And we're seeing these men, and I, I grab our translator, Hooli, and I'm like, hey, can we just start to hear their story? How did they end up here? What's, what's, their, what's their background? And, and we sit down, and I'm sitting down with one of these men, and he shares with me that at the age of 12, he started to get addicted to drugs, and that this was actually a product of his environment that he grew up in. He was constantly around it. And then from there, he started to pursue and go to these places and parties and, and, and this addiction because he was like, it gives me a little bit of peace. It gives me a little bit of release and rest for a very weary soul. And uh, he has this little girl, and when he starts to talk about her, he lights up. And he's like, I haven't seen her in months, but I want to get well. I want to be able to, to live with her and watch her grow up and be a good dad. And he's just sharing this story, and I'm just like, man, I have the same story. At 15, I, I started to uh, party, and I would go and, and get drunk, and I was going to these different spaces and places and just hoping to find worth and value and hope And just like Andreas, ending up worse than when I started. That morning, we just felt like God was saying, let them know I'm here. And so we share the gospel with these men. And Huli, our translator, she's like, I just feel like we need to share the prodigal son story. And so she starts sharing about this wayward son who comes running back to the father, and the father meets him with open arms. And we watch as one of these young men, and I think we have a picture of it, just comes to this complete desperation And there are just tears in his eyes and his hands are open and surrender. And and our team just starts to surround all of these guys who are sitting. And we're just calling out to Jesus. And I watched him encounter the presence. And it was amazing. And he surrendered and encountered God that morning. Won't he? Amen. And when I think about this and I think about my story and Andreas's story, Guys, this is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to go and spend all that we have and going to all these different places and spaces and physicians and actually not getting better but getting worse. And it wasn't till that moment in Andre's story and in this woman's story where she's like, I, I need something else. I am desperate. And this is where we pick up what happened. She comes to Jesus. She touches his garment, and then the text says, And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And this question, I just, I didn't get it. Who touched my garments? And a couple things just instantly popped in my mind. First, Jesus is God in the flesh. He should know who touched his garments. Why is he asking this question? And the second thing is Jesus is on his way to heal a little girl. There is a desperate father in the crowd. He doesn't, he shouldn't have time. He's, he needs to be with them. And yet he says, hold on, someone touched me. And even the disciples are like, Jesus, there are crowds of people around you and we're supposed to be going. Why are you asking this? And when I just kind of sat and wrestled with this, the Holy Spirit revealed to me what was going on in this moment. You see, that woman saw God, but she needed to know that God sees her. And Jesus didn't just want this woman to experience the power, He wanted her to know His presence. Jesus doesn't just want you to experience his power. He wants you to know his presence. He doesn't just want you to have healing. He wants you to have life. And so he, he sees this woman. And church, when I think about the life of Christ and how he dies on a cross for our sins. He conquers death, so it has no more power, and he ascends to heaven. And he says, it's better that I go so that the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will be inside of you. So that where you go, the power and the presence goes. So that when you step into places, the kingdom of God is arriving. And I think what would happen if we actually believed that? I think this place would be changed, and in Mexico, I watched our students not just receive life, but breathe life out, and the stories that you're about to hear from some of our students, man, it's not just to give God glory, it's to to know that God wants to do this stuff through you, and so as we invite them up, um, yeah, let's hear about our goodness, power, and presence of God. Please welcome to the stage, Zach. (laughs)
1: Hi, my name is Zach, Um, I'm one of the student leaders with Youth Culture. Uh, This was my fourth time going on this mission trip, and it's just, it's always been an amazing trip. Uh, This year, especially with not having gone since 2019 because of COVID, it just, it was, expectations were really high and just once again, we're exceeded. Uh, As Britt mentioned, we went to a rehab center. Um, the youngest guy there was probably like, or yeah, 15. The oldest guy is probably no more than 25. Um, it's so just, just a little bit older than most of us. And so it was a really cool opportunity to go and minister to a lot of them. We kind of started out the day just, um, playing a silly little game, trying to get everyone to, you know, get out of their comfort zone, feeling a little vulnerable. And we just, we continued that with making balloon animals and blowing bubbles and just really got acting like children. Uh, eventually, we all sat down, and one of our students and one of my personal best friends, Tyler, went up and shared his uh, testimony with the guys, and that really seemed to resonate with a lot of them. And following that is when our um, translator, Hooli, was feeling called to share the story of the prodigal son. And so in doing that, you could really start to see the power of God overwhelm them, and you could see them start to receive and feel that presence. So after that, we took about 10 minutes and just sat in a quiet prayer time, uh, just praying over these guys with soft worship music in the background, just really letting the presence of God fall over us in that place. Um, after that, it was a little bit of an awkward um, like transition point, because uh, Britt went and talked to Huli about you know, feeling like we should do baptisms somehow because uh, it's a rehab center, and we were close to the beach, and just, how, how, what does that look like? And so, eventually, they pull a trash can, like the ones we put on the street, out of the back, and they, like, clean it, and fill it up, and bring it to the front. Um, and so, Britt goes up, and she talks a little bit about just what baptism is, why we do it, uh, and asks if anyone wanted to be baptized. And so, um, Andreas, the guy we you saw earlier, came up first, and he was baptized, and it started, a little bit of a wave and by the end of it we had baptized five guys in a rehab center in a trash can <laughs> <clears throat> now we may not have a trash can but we do have a tank of some nice warm water and I don't know about the water in Mexico cold. Cold. alright <laughs> um, but yeah just what does that step of faith look like for you uh, Afterwards, Britt asked if any of the guys had wanted to come up to share if, like, the story of why they wanted to get baptized. And so, uh, Andreas came back up and he said that he didn't think he could be baptized in the rehab center. He thought he had to wait till he could, got out and could go to church to be baptized. And this is why it's important that we understand our role in God's kingdom as the church, because this man thought that he had to wait till he got out of the rehab center to go to a physical church to be baptized, when in reality, we are the church, and wherever we go, God is with us. And with that, we're called to share him with everyone we come into contact with, because in this moment, it literally changed this man's life when we were willing to sit down and pray with him for 10 minutes. This is why it's important that we not only know God's power, but we encounter his presence. Because we can know all day long that God can do anything with less than the snap of his fingers, but it's not until we truly encounter his presence that we can even begin to understand just how much he cares for us. So won't he
2: Good morning, ACF. My name is Ashton, and like Zach, I'm a student leader, and this was my first missions trip, and y'all, it was so fun. And uh, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about how God moved in Mexico. So when we were there, me and two other students had the opportunity to share our testimonies. And in each testimony, there was a low point, which included anxiety, loneliness, depression, and suicidal thoughts. And there were many in the church who were walking through that and understood what we were talking about. And I believe that through our stories, Jesus was telling them, you're not alone. People have walked through this and have seen victory in it, and you can see victory too. And so, after we shared our testimonies, the pastor said that he felt like God was telling him that there were people in the church who needed to be prayed over because they were just burdened and weighed down by those things. So, us who shared our testimonies just prayed over them, and despite the language barrier, the power of the the presence and power of God just overflowed in the room as chains were in the process of being broken and I would describe God's presence in that moment as so powerful yet peaceful and I think that it was so powerful because God wanted the people to know his presence and because once you know his presence you guys you can't question it for anything else because it's the only thing on this earth that is perfect and fulfilling but back to this story there is one woman who just fell on her knees and started weeping. And she was just brought to this position and moment of surrender. And that place is where miracles happen. I don't know if she got healed physically, but I know that she had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is a miracle. Um, and then we see in God's word that miracles bring him glory. In John eleven four, it says, It happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And guys, Jesus is so cool because he doesn't want us to sit on the sidelines with those miracles. He calls us to jump in and be a part of those miracles. Every single one of you, you don't think he sees you. He's talking to you. (laughs) And so I think God invites us to be a part of these miracles because it expands our knowledge of his goodness and his power. It's also a faith builder. It shows us that no mountain, no anxiety, no depression, no chain is too strong for Him to break. And that is the power in the presence of Jesus, and it blows my mind every time. So to close, there's two things that I'm challenging everyone in here to. Um, First, get Make room for the presence of God to get to know it. Invite him in and get creative with it. I don't know what that looks like in your everyday life. That could be 10 minutes in your room with your arms open wide saying, Jesus, I want to know you. Or it could be going for a walk, just whatever it is. Figure it out. I don't know. (laughs) Secondly, I challenge you guys to get uncomfortable. It's hard. I know. But each of you has Jesus and you can do it. Um, And it requires faith. It may look like praying for a stranger at the park or speaking the name of Jesus at Walmart. I don't know. Just whatever Jesus is telling you all to do. And something that I've learned about being uncomfortable is that it happens when we walk in obedience with Jesus. And I know in those moments, anxiety and worry and doubt just want to consume our thoughts and just break us down. But no. We can rebuke those thoughts and speak truth and say, Jesus is with me. I have God. Guys, and I don't think we realize how amazing and how powerful that is, but when you really think about it, that is amazing. And so, speak truth in those moments. Believe it because it's true. For me, had I not stepped out of my comfort zone by sharing my testimony, I would not have been able to be a part of this woman's miracle. And he doesn't just want this for me and Britt and Zach. He wants it for all of you. So I'm gonna say, won't he? Y'all gonna say, do it. Won't he? Woo!
0: Y'all, we have the best students. That's just like two of them. Um, And you know, I gotta do a little shameless plug. Uh, man, one of the greatest privileges of my life is being part of theirs. And if you have a passion for students, if you have a passion to walk and grow and challenge and encourage them, man, we we launch in August, so you still get to enjoy your summer a little bit. Um, But be part of it, because this generation, just like you guys saw, is powerful, and they need us covering and shepherding and guiding them. But back to this story, so... This woman has just touched the garment of Jesus. She has been in pain and suffering and humiliation for 12 years. And Jesus asked this question, who touched me? And this is the response that we see in the text. But the woman, knowing what happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And when I read this text, guys, because when I read the Bible, I'm trying not to just say that was for them. I'm trying to say this is for me. And I want to understand and I want to taste and I want to see and I want to experience Jesus deeper. And so when I read that, I was like, What did this look like for this woman? And what I pictured was her, because the text is she fell on her knees in fear and trembling, and she's looking at Jesus, and she says, I'm unclean. I shouldn't be here. I'm a sinner, and I'm dirty, and I know that. And I've tried everything. I've been to places and spaces I know I shouldn't have, and I saw you, and I was so desperate. I saw your presence, and I've heard about your power, and I thought if I touched you, things could change. And she's just weeping before the Lord. Everyone's looking at her in this moment. And Jesus' response is so wild to me. He doesn't address her sin He doesn't address her suffering. The first thing that he speaks to is her identity in him. He says, daughter. This woman probably felt like she was an outcast and no one wanted her. And the first word that she hears after this confession, the whole truth, is daughter. And I think there's people in here today that need to know that God wants to say daughter and son to you. And in this text, it says she said the whole truth. And that's scary. She's in a crowd of people. But I think it's so important that we recognize Jesus can't save a false self. Jesus can't save a false identity. He can save you. He knows your story, but when you trust him with the baggage, with the pain, with the suffering, with the sin, and you reach out and touch him, he speaks to who you are, not what you've done. In this moment, I just uh, I want to fill in some gaps with Andreas' story in the baptism. And I saw the presence of God. I felt the surrender and the desperation. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, Britt, these, these men have, have, have said this stuff before. And I want them to take a step of faith. I don't want them to just say they love me. I want them to reach out and to touch me. And so I go to our translator, and I'm like, hey, I don't know what this looks like, but I feel like God wants them to take a step, and and the next step for every believer in Christ, if they haven't been baptized, is to be baptized. And so I don't know what this looks like, um, but God's big. There's a beach right there, so let's see. And I look over. And they start taking out trash out of the trash can. And I'm like, that's weird. (laughs) And then I watch them grab soap and brushes. And I I watch them start to scrub this trash can. And I'm like, this is getting even weirder. And then Huli, our translator, comes up to me. And she's like, Brit, we got a baptism tank. And I'm like, cool, where is it at? And she's like, it's right there. It's the trash can. And I was like. Cool, cool, cool. That's, that's awesome. And they start to roll up, y'all, this trash can. <laughs> and they put it in front of everyone. And we're, we have kind of lines of tr- chairs. And Andreas comes forward. And he gets in the trash can. And he's like, should I bend down? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so he bends down in the trash can and I'm looking at him, and I'm just overwhelmed with the love of God for this young man. Because I felt, I I bet he felt like trash a lot of his life. I bet he felt dirty. I bet there were moments where he was like, I'm so unclean. And yet he's sitting in a trash can and the word of God declares that he is white as snow, that he is clean, that he is whole in Jesus. And we pour water on him, and he comes up, and our translator is like, how do you feel? And he says, I feel peace. I feel okay for the first time in a really long time. And then I'm like, is there anything you want to say to your brothers? And he says, if you are sitting down and God's calling you to stand up and come forward, you need to listen. And I have that same request for this body today. If you haven't been baptized and you are a follower of Jesus, when this music comes on, if you need to stand up, don't stay sitting. Take a next step of faith. I watched Andreas get so desperate for God that he was like, I don't care if this is a trash can. I know who this is and I want to walk with him for the rest of my life. Baptize me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I think we have this picture of this moment, guys, and it was just so beautiful. And this is God's desire for us to walk with him. To know that he wants to not just define our past, but give us a present and a future. These miracles that we experience, just like Ashton said, they're not just for Mexico, they're for here, they're for now, they're for your family, your places of business, your schools, and your homes. And as followers of Christ, we're supposed to live like Jesus. We're supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to do the things that Jesus did because we believe, again, that the Spirit of God is inside of us. And where we go, the power and the presence goes. And so when I looked at this text, I was like, Jesus, how do we be more like you? Because this world is dark and hurting. And I saw three things. First, Jesus was interruptible. Think about this. Jesus is on the way to a very important place. There are crowds around him. And yet when this woman interrupts him, he stops. He makes himself available. And I'm so convicted by this text because when people are like, Britt, do you have time to get together? I'm like, I'm free July 28th at 2? What's that, what's that look like in your schedule? And yet, again, Jesus is going to the most important place. There's there's hurt and there's heartache. And yet he says, I see the person in front of me. How often do we miss the person in front of us because we're unavailable and not able to be interrupted? The second thing Jesus does is Jesus was present with this woman. I picture her just sitting and crying and Jesus just sitting with her. And so many people, guys, they're longing to encounter the presence of God and the presence of God is in us and yet when we're with people, we're not with people. We're on to the next thing, to the next schedule, thinking about what do I need to get at the grocery store? Man, I have to have this difficult conversation. So we're not even with the people we're with. Jesus was with her. And the third thing is Jesus is healer. Jesus heals this woman, is what the text says. And I know there are so many stories in this room about the healing power and presence of God. I've heard stories of of cancer getting healed, of of pain uh, going away, of marriages being restored. But I also know for every story that we have, we're that happened there's five not yet there's five to t- i'm still waiting on my miracle and i know there's tension in that i know there's tension on this side of heaven but where we go guys there are hurting people there are bleeding people and we know the god who can heal who can restore who touches people and lives are changed Jesus is healer. And I, and I even think about the life of Jesus, where there's this moment before he goes to the cross to die for the sins of this world, where he asks for a miracle, and it's unanswered. He, he brought it to God. He has this expectation, if you're willing, Lord, but no agenda, your will be done. But let's Ask when we encounter hurting, broken people, let's call on the God that we say we believe in and say, In Jesus' name. There is a difference between casual contact and reaching out faith. St. Augustine says this flesh presses. Faith touches. He can always distinguish between the jostle of a curious mob and the agonized touch of a needy soul. I don't know about you guys, but there are moments in my life, and maybe you're in here right now, and you're like, I'm a needy soul. Jesus is right there. You just have to reach out and touch him and to the church, to the body of Christ. There are bleeding people behind pretty doors and nice houses and good outfits, and they're just hopeless. But what would happen if we were interruptible, if we were present? And when they, they brought their hurts, their heartaches, their struggles, we call on the one who can. I wanna invite you guys to stand up as we close in prayer. Mm. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so loving and kind and patient to us. God, and I just bind up fear in this moment. I bind up, God, any just lie from the enemy that this message isn't for you, that you're too dirty or unclean to touch him. Jesus, I bind that up and I send that straight back to hell because you are able, you are willing. God, make us a people of bold faith. Give us this desperation like this woman, not just for our life, but for the lives around us. God, give us eyes to see the bleeding people Holy Spirit, interrupt us in this moment. Be present with us, God. We need you. Holy Spirit, come. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.